0: Introduce the Angels, roast Tattoo, but here's the biggest of them all, Steve Mascord with White Line
1: Fever. It's episode six of White Line Fever, I've got Scott and Rob here from Anthrax, very special guests, how are you guys? Good, uh, good thank you, how are you? Good, how's it going man? Good. good. Now you're doing two full days of, um, of promotion, what's that like? Do you sort of try and guess what people are going to ask you when they walk up, is it is it hard
2: work? I pretty much know... There's a a few questions that every single person asks, like, um, what's the craziest thing that ever happened on tour, and is the big four coming to Australia, and what were your inspirations for this new album, and, you know, there's generally the same, I'd say half the questions are the same almost every interview, and, you know, but every interview is different, so just answer the questions as you're asked, you know what I mean, (laughs) Once in a while someone asks something really stupid and I have to then I have to you know make them feel like a jackass. Like when someone, this guy asked us earlier. He said, "So, you know, do you listen to what was it like? Do you listen to what the fans want you to do when you're making a and I'm like, "Yeah, that's exactly how we work. We all the fans write in their ideas and then we just we just that's how we work. We don't even write our songs. The fans write our songs. Like it's just amazing when someone like, asks a question like that. It's like, did you think about that before the words came out of your mouth?
1: <laughs> okay, the risk of asking a stupid question and, and being made to feel like a jackass.
2: Is the big four coming to Australia? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. The, is, it, is it like
2: worship music like an instruction or is it a description? Worship music. That's a good question. I, no one's ever asked that before, actually.
3: <laughs> I think it's open for
2: interpretation. You know. Yeah. I think it's, it could be both the way I take it is because Charlie came up with the title apparently he woke up at 5 in the morning or something and his TV was on and he saw an advertisement for a CD that said worship music like yeah. basically a bunch of Christian like yeah, yeah, songs or something yeah. but the title stuck in his head in the context of anthrax and I never really asked I never asked him that I didn't find that out until we started doing press for the record because to me I just heard it and it made sense to me because I worship music every day Music is my life. I've been worshipping music since I was like eight years old. And I feel like music is something absolutely worth worshipping. Music's been here longer than religion. Like cavemen were, cavemen were, were pounding on drums and stuff. You know, I, remember, I, mean, I guess you could argue the same time they were like, you know, looking at the sun as like, thank God for that. Otherwise, what would we do? But um, to me, music is something worth worshipping. And that, that's, that's what I get out of it. But it could be a command as well because... Mm-hmm. Uh, you should tell people. You know what? Worship music. It might make your life happier. Mm-hmm. And you, the, you were before we were on air. You were talking about the reaction to
1: the album, and it's been good. But when it comes before the album's actually released, that becomes a little bit annoying.
0: Of course, <laughs> well, it, mean, it means that there, people are stealing the record. You know, it's
2: it's and it's obviously we don't support that. I mean, it's, we work really hard. We busted our ass on this. Our ass is on this record, and, and it costs us money to do it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> You but know.
1: so the, but the reaction since it's been released, the legitimate reaction has been awesome. Has it surprised
2: you? The people who actually pay for the record seem to really like it. <laughs> yes. people who have spent their hard-earned money on worship music are really loving the album and um, it's very satisfying for us, obviously for people to like something that we've worked so hard on and um, and they're hearing it the way we hear it, and we also find that people are listening to the whole record. They're not just picking out one song or another song. It seems like people are having a problem deciding what is their favorite song because they listen to the record from front to back, and that's how we look at albums. And albums should be something enjoyed from start to finish, not just picking out one song here or one song there. We'll uh, play
1: a song now. Um, Do you guys want to introduce one? Pick one. Could be anything, but I suppose it should be off off worship
0: music. Uh, Let's start with the first song on the record, "Earth on Hell," which is one of the most aggressive tunes on the album. It's one of my favorites.
1: From the Casanovas, and you're on White Line Fever. Thanks to the fellas from Antrax. They'll be back next week. But that sound you just heard in the background is the end of the 2011 Rugby League season. Manly beating the Warriors. And it was an exciting second half. The Warriors coming back. And looking like they were going to really uh, maybe send the game into overtime. But Manly, well, the game started with uh, back in black over the PA. And that certainly was better than Eagle Rock. But in the end, you shook me all night long, uh, which is what we just heard just before the siren sounded. That summed up Manly's performance. Just relentless and physical and thoroughly deserved. Now we'll be uh, assessing the game, we'll be uh, poring over it uh, during this week's program, Um, but uh, we'll go into another song just for now. This is Driving and Crying, a song from uh, two years ago. It's called I See Georgia.
4: I'm looking for that song to bring me home I see Georgia every time I hear that song playing from another
1: Welcome back to White Line Fever, that was uh, Driving and Crying with I See Georgia. I love that song. It's going to be a good uh, road song, and I'm going to be on the road for the, about the next five months. Now, the reason this show will never succeed is because it's got such a small demographic. Rugby league and rock and roll is like, it's about five people. Uh, but if there's anyone I've ever met that fits both demographics, it's Dave Benwick who can equally be found uh, as a byline in the sports pages. And in on in the uh, I almost said on the street I'm, that shows my age in Drum Media in the Gig Guide Dave Bennewick uh, welcome to the show thanks very much Steve good to be here now is it tell us what a tough uh, job it is walking the line one foot in the music camp and one foot in the rugby league camp
5: uh, well yeah I used to walk in the music camp uh, a lot more than the rugby league camp <laughs> but now. Um... Well, I suppose you're always at games and you're always kind of expected to work really hard, so trying to know when you can do a gig is pretty difficult, I suppose. But, um, and, uh, I don't know, you just get out of practice a bit, out of nick, you know, like mm. short of a gallop or whatever, and you just, when you do play, you kind of, uh, you know... <laughs> It's not like when you used to play four nights a week, yeah. But, you know, like, unlike Eric Grove, Jr., you know, yeah. most
1: people in music know he's a footballer, mm. and most people in football know he's a musician, but in your case, you've got these two separate lives, really, don't you?
5: Yeah, I suppose, <laughs> um, and, uh, I, yeah, but I was a musician for a long time first, and, um, it's more of a hobby now, I suppose, but I would still like to, like, do some more recording stuff, I've done some, a lot in the past, and, um... Mm. But, uh, yeah, you miss it when you don't do it that often and um, when you do it, kind of, it's kind of special now when you do you Actually, when you do gigs now, it's, uh, there's no, like, shit gigs like there used to be because you don't do them that often so you kind of enjoy them more, I suppose, yeah. Mm. Now, we've both had a couple of beers, so let's
1: talk about, <laughs> let's not talk about what is different about rock and roll and rugby league, mm. let's talk about what is what is similar, you know, mm. the people you, the people you encounter. Mm. I mean, do they kind of go hand in glove a little bit or do you find it completely different
5: oh yeah I think they do I mean uh, I was uh, have a lot of friends in Melbourne who are musicians and they sort of I guess were the first people I saw marrying uh, some sort of uh, football code with, with their music singing about say <laughs> so,
1: so your friends in Melbourne married footballers <laughs> <laughs>
5: um, some of them would definitely like to um, marrying uh, the, 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 you know singing about footy grounds and footy players and uh, the history of the game that they follow and all of that so uh, there's a bit of that in Sydney as well, I suppose. I mean, Perry Keys an, is, is a good example, and um, yeah, we've done a bit of that as well, I, I guess. And uh, but I think it's maybe it's a bigger thing down there. But um, uh, what is similar? Um, it's very. I think it's very sort of grounded, or it's a it's a grassroots sort of thing, like the sort of music that I play. So I guess it's sort of folky, sort of rootsy, sort of music. So it's sort of grounded and a little bit working class if that doesn't sound too contrived and, I've heard you described as a Billy Bragg of Australia yeah I've been to that every, <laughs> and it's partly because of what I look like I think but I and I do love Billy Bragg yeah and I met him once I think but um uh, what was I going to say <laughs> no I was talking about the, the, the connections yeah. you know the experience uh, and uh, you do you do you churn out a, a couple of songs about footy. It get people uh, like they understand the culture of, of where it's coming from and the city that they're in and how it all works. Um, it's know. not enough of it in rugby league, though, is there? Like,
1: like it's under like in the the, the arts as it is, mm. as it were, um, as it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other other sports are better represented in the arts than than rugby league, aren't they? Really?
5: Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably true. Yeah, um, it, it's. Um, In Sydney, maybe there's more of a distinction between those things, whereas in some other places, they are sort of joined together a bit more, perhaps, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so
1: when you interview these footballers, I mean, Mm. you know, and and maybe some of them, you know, I mean, let's face it, most of them are good fellas that we deal with Mm. on a week-to-week basis, but every now and then you get a bit of arrogance. And do you think they'd treat you differently if they knew you were standing on stage and there
5: were, like, girls throwing their bras at you every every week? Uh, Well... (laughs) Or I don't know about the latter, but uh, they, I think they would. You know, they, uh, they just, they just assume you are. Uh, we
1: think they're sometimes we think they're two dimensional or one dimensional, yeah. and they think we are. You
5: know? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, they. Yeah, they. Um, and mostly they. You know, often they don't know who you are, and they just. Mm. Trot out the lines they got to trot out, but um, I think if you got to know them and they got to know you, it's like anybody really. You know, you'd sort of you would find some common ground. Um, I did actually say to Eric Groth Jr. once that um, you know I'd played in some fans and made some CDs, and would he be interested in having a chat about that particular thing sometime? But I think then he was sort of got injured and retired and. Sort of disappeared, um, well, definitely from rep teams, but uh, the uh, you yeah. know from the scene, yeah.
1: If this show ever goes professional, then mm. um, he'll be he'll probably first choice as co co-host. I think I've already spoken to him about it. Hello, Eric, if you're listening. But um, before we go, I'd love it if you send me a sound file of that song about platform 16, 19, yeah. platform 19. Um, if you can introduce it for the listeners about what it's about, it's got a big rugby league reference in it, yeah. and if you can also like give us permission to use it and stuff yeah. like that.
5: Yeah, yeah, you can <laughs> definitely use it. Um, I've got no use for it. Uh, it's, um, I wrote it about 20 years ago, really, and it's, uh, yeah, it is set on Platform 19 at Central in Sydney where... Oh, I did notice when I lived in the inner west where if you catch a train to the inner west or the western suburbs it leaves from platform 19 but that train actually comes down from the north shore so it makes it a pretty interesting sociological uh, sort of point on the map but um, you know then it sort of imagines you know the old Fibro-Silvertails kind of um, um, battle there and uh, uh, I didn't actually see that but I could imagine it happening there and um, you know if we ever get a manly Wests. Um, Grand Final with Tigers Then maybe we'll be able to uh, Issue it as single again Or something Yeah I'm sure we, we could talk All day and all night About the art of songwriting And all that sort of stuff But we haven't got time So
1: um, Even though most Everyone's going to be Listening to this After the Grand Final um, Enjoy tomorrow The Grand Final
5: Yeah it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it I won't say I'm going for But um, <laughs> listen to the song And you might get an idea Yeah <laughs>
6: Well, I'm waiting here at Central Where the buys are heading westwards Homewards from a magpie's manly game. Well, their team is caught to hide in or they carry it a mate Too drunk to walk or Let alone recall his name When the train pulls in After winding its way down Through Arooga, Talamore To the heart of Sydney town As the doors Be big song Of an old shark and and the C-Town Boys get on, on All the North Shore girls get on And the Black-Town Boys get on At this home of locomotion Is as telling and as desperate as a war The boys offer their compliments Yeah, invitations to a scent Still as hopeless as a football scar. But the girls fight back With the bluest sons of all In sense, they have cultured But the private schools are not fairer battles to be won Short girls get off And the black jam boys get on On There's a lot girls get off, And the fairfield boys get on To smash the cross barrier The train must gather speed The western suburbs of a city That caused itself east Where migrant hands are branded None fish and sheep shall fall And home repair will scrape the factory away from the wall The Western suburbs' magpies just got hammered once again. By the manly team that fought up all their stars The compensation's easily found in a battle with the girls Who look like they've just landed here from Mars When the train falls out, making its journey west Through gravel up to Liverpool, the heart of cities rest Where the fight goes on By the knots girls get up, and the city town boys get on on the get <laughs> and the Blacktown boys get on. the girls get on, the North girls get on, the North girls get the girls get And the Sydney town boys get on, and the Blacktown boys get on, and the Fairfield boys get on, the North girls get on.
1: That was David Bennewick with Platform 19. Uh, we're back on White Line Fever and I'm, we're standing here in the shadows of the 2011 NRL season. I'm here with Andrew Webster from the Daily
0: Telegraph. Did you know that David Bennewick could sing? I didn't know David Benwick could sing. I didn't know he could write either. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's very harsh. No, it no, is. no.
1: It is. So what did you think of, uh, what did you think of uh, this evening's events? I thought it
0: was an amazing game. I mm-hmm. thought it was very good. I thought it was very good that the Warriors came back as they did because um, everyone was thinking. Once Manly got that try, which had shades of 1996 grand final against St George all over it, I thought, um, there was a, you just thought Manly were going to run away with it. So it was good to see the Warriors hold on and, and come back with that little half-back. He's going to mm-hmm. be some player, isn't he? Um, the big talking point, though, is what... What, what, what did they say I What did mention... David Gallup and Brett Stewart say to each other after the game it was
1: well there's two kind of um, bits of intrigue after the game. one is des Hasler's future, and he knocked one rumor on the head he 's not going to the bulldogs next year, mm. maybe the year after and mm. but, but the other thing was Glenn and uh, Brett Stewart each made a point of speaking to David Gallup when they, and everyone wanted to know if they were ever going to shake. David's hand because of what happened two years ago. Mm. And they made a point of talking to him. It's like they had an intention. They went into the encounter with, with an intention. But David's expression after the two conversations were vastly
0: different. They were. But the thing is, afterwards, when they were asked about this, although Brett didn't speak mm. to any of the reporters, but Glenn said it was all about moving on. Mm. I don't think David Gallup's um, reaction, facial expression, suggested it was. Well, I thought about it did after speaking on. to Glenn. I've been sniffing around this. I don't know when this podcast goes out. No, it doesn't, yeah, yeah, um, But I don't think it was about moving on. Mm. From, Manly might have thought the comments mm. were about moving on. From what I understand, mm. from what um, is coming out of the NRL side of things, it wasn't about moving on, or they didn't, mm. they didn't word it that way. So, yeah, yeah. so hopefully, hopefully, that led... hopefully that's the end of it, though. Mm-hmm. Don't you reckon? Like, they just mm. need to let it go, and I can understand why it's been such an issue for them, but they've channeled all this anger and all this hate towards David Gallant, because they had no-one else to, to mm. direct it at. But mm. now they just need to, like, build a
1: bridge and get over it. Do you, think, do you think in any way it might sour the evening a little bit as over the course of the next week? People will listen to this during the week. As more comes out about it, there's more speculation, more is revealed. Will it in any way detract from Manley's success, or will, or do you think it'll die a death?
0: I think it oh. I don't know. It probably depends on us, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> do you reckon? Well, everyone's... I mean, I'm fascinated with it, and I'm, I'm sure you are, and mm. I think most of the readers and listeners and viewers are as well. What did he say? Want, <laughs> I wanted to know what was said. The lip-reading Senate... expert is, is in waiting now. I think a lip expert has got a phone call like at about 10 o'clock on a public holiday Sunday night saying, come into the, <laughs> come into the newspaper office. We
0: need you. Maybe we could get the same person who um, went through Phil Gould's doodles and deciphered that maybe we can get maybe we can get that person to look at David Gallup and, and newspapers
1: see used to have in-house lawyers now they're going to need in-house lip readers <laughs> exactly. exactly
0: so have you enjoyed the year? I have it's been a great year I think it's a, it's been a good year it's been a um it's been a long year hasn't it they always seem it's to not good. over
1: there's International football coming up. I
0: know, that's the thing. You love the international football. I heard on the ABC call there was plenty of references to who was it? <laughs> who, who was it from the Vulcans that are playing? Well, the, well, the
1: co-commentator was Daniel Anderson, who's coaching. Coaching oh Samoa. Oh I know, I know. Well, it's, it's good. <laughs> He's, his career's kicked on. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for talking to us, Andrew. And uh, you have a really good summer. Or whatever you're planning to do, what are you planning to do? I'm having. Are we having Mad Monday tomorrow? Tomorrow is Monday. But I've got a lot of packing to do. I've got to go away. Come and
0: stuff. on, this is always this is always the day when we cut when we get cut loose, so Yes, well anyway. Um and
1: we've got another song coming up. We love Chicken Foot, new Chicken Foot album. This is called Three and a Half Letters. Oh, very
0: good. Thank you, Masky. <laughs>
3: Childhood sweetheart, two beautiful girls, two and a half and four. Worked nine years to plant my father, worked in his father before him. I have a BA, but laid off seven months ago. It's been tough like so many others, but I still believe. Can you help me, brother? Can you help?
1: This is a bit where you get only me, no guests. Uh, firstly, I'd like to thank uh, Tim Gable for the introduction. He was so modest, he didn't didn't even uh, drop his own name in that intro, but it was great, thanks. And he did really uh, introduce, I think it was in Mount Isa, the Angels and Rose Tattoo. So there you go. It's a huge honour to have him introduce Episode 6 of White Line Fever. Now, aside from it being grand final week, uh, October 2 also brought us uh, a big international web event, it was Guns N' Roses playing at Rock in Rio. Now, as with any Guns N' Roses concert, you have to expect weirdness. Uh, For a start, Despite reports that there would be enormous fines for coming on late, I made it about two hours late that Axel uh, brought the band on stage, and it was pouring rain uh, in Rio. Uh, now, I managed to tape a little bit of this show, and I want to highlight a few things. Firstly, just uh, something cool uh, it was uh, a time, a part of the gig, where the band seemed like they were going to launch into a version of U2's Sunday Bloody Sunday. <laughs> the great thing about this lineup of Guns N' Roses is that they're all such great musicians and they can be spontaneous and that you go to a show not really knowing what to expect but unfortunately that can also lead to some car crashes and uh, uh, it wasn't Sunday Buddy Sunday they, they actually played, it was November Rain and uh, some forgotten lyrics and uh, some uh, off the road rustiness uh, turned it into a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Uh, during the broadcast were all over the shop as well cutting in and out stereo to mono. but a really weird thing happened. They seemed to pick up voices backstage including a female voice telling the band what to do. Let's see if you can just listen carefully here.
3: Ladies and gentlemen on the guitar Mr. Ron Bongol
1: Hear that, hey Tommy, stay out here. Um that's a reference to Tommy Stinson. It's a voice we would hear again a short time later.
3: Oh I, I asked these guys if they could tell me what drugs I'm on. They said no, but they could tell me what drugs Tommy's on.
7: Nitrane.
1: hear that? There were four different voices confirming that the next song was to be Night Train, including the same female voice we heard earlier. There's just a couple more things I want to highlight. The first one is this.
7: Be very, very
1: quiet. During the breakdown of knocking on heaven's door, but the next outburst during a song seems to be a little more serious. It's during patience. Set sugar,
7: make it slow. Don't,
1: the weather or whether it's Tommy Stinson or whether the teleprompters aren't working properly and that's why he's skipping a few lines, but anyway, as I said, always an interesting night when you go see Guns N' Roses. Okay, housekeeping time and we've got one more guest to come, it's Mark Gable, but don't forget, you can listen to the program round the clock at uh, whitelinefever.ning.com, you can also uh, listen to it um, on demand at stevemascord.com, down the bottom of the left uh, corner You can download it for your iPod and what have you. No news on iTunes yet, but hopefully we'll be uh, on there soon. And don't forget the stevemascord.com Facebook page. Now, when you next hear from me, I will be in Mexico going to Sammy Hagar's birthday bash, stopping in the Cook Islands on the way too, so hopefully we'll track down a couple of Kiwi players ahead of the Four Nations. Okay, here's a new Jane's Addiction song, and uh, we'll be back with uh, one more guest, Mark Gable. And aside from that, we'll see you next week. We can. guest, I don't know if I should call him an arch Manly fan, but he is a Manly fan. It's uh, Mark Gable from the Choir Boys. Are you in the warm glow of a grand final victory at the moment? Are you still celebrating?
8: Well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm celebrating, you know, but I, I, I'm, look, you know, I know there's a lot of controversy around Manly, um, uh, you know, for certain reasons, but I'm you know, to be honest with you, I'm pleased that they, they won over New Zealand, right? the Warriors, because I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a strong devotee of, of, of any kind of sport, apart from, you know, aerobics or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm, I'm still perplexed as to why there's a New Zealand team in the grand final. it doesn't make any sense to me now i know that there's obviously a logical reason you can explain it to me um but you know i've been out of the loop for a bit and i just sort of took a bit of an interest this year but i I still can't understand how this this has occurred you know it's almost as ludicrous as the sydney swans you know like the swans are actually a melbourne team but now they're based in sydney and you know these things confuse. what are we going to have next you know that that Budapest are going to win the grand final next year or three <laughs> years in the future. So that's what's going to happen.
1: But isn't it more... So
8: misdif- mapping.
1: Be- is it more mystifying for you that most of New South Wales and Sydney were cheering for the Warriors?
8: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is weird, you know, but, you know, I can understand it. You know, as I say, there's a bit of controversy about the whole thing, you know. Mm. Um... Manly seemed to be an extremely unpopular team Look, football isn't like it used to be Like when I was a kid And we used to go down to Brookfall Oval To watch the football You know, we actually You know, the guys actually
7: Came from the area You know mm. And you know it, it, it's, it's a totally different beast now
8: You know but it, Then it had a personality It had a character Now I'm sounding retro And I'm sounding reflective And I'm sounding old But I am and I kind of, I, I, miss, I miss those days when the local team, like, you know, the Sea Eagles, were made up of basically local guys. And so it was for Balmain, and so it was for the rest of them. Mm. You know, and, and now, you know, I, I don't, t- you know, can any of them, you know, do they speak you know, English, <laughs> they speak, you know, Hungarian.
1: I don't know. We're on a sort of Eastern European theme at the moment. Um, tell us what um, tell us what you're uh, up to because this long-lived Bond, can you tell people what that's all about? Well,
8: the long-lived Bond uh, tribute shows, well, they're a tribute show, but it's 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 basically all the guys or most of the guys that were there in the old days you know like um Paul DeMarco on drums has been around forever um Angry Anderson of course who's you know an old stable mate of mine from the Albert's days and ACDC you know at Albert's of course with the Rose tattoo choir boys and all the rest of it you know John Swan who claims to have taught um Bon Scott how to sing um and and of course, uh, Dave uh, Gleeson, who actually knows more about ACDC than any guy I've ever known. And you know, it doesn't matter what the song is, he, he knows the lyrics, whereas we, you know, the other three guys, who will have to learn the lyrics of the songs. So it's really a celebration of, it's really a celebration of that era when Bombs and dc which really is the most important era of ACDC. It's not the most successful era. They were really an up and coming band all the way through that. But it really is um, the, the quintessential music. I mean, it's all the music that we know. And it's all the music that matters. I mean, you know, sing me a song, I'll flicker the switch, will you? You know, mm. go on. <laughs> sing me one, Steve. You see, you can't sing me one.
1: I know the song's flicker the switch. I know the song's flicker the switch. She'll blow yeah, so, you the know, sky high. She'll blow you sky high. Bedlam have, in Belgium, see? We used to have <laughs> a joke.
8: Yeah. <laughs> We used to have a joke that after ACDC AC did, you know, um, Back in Black, and then for those about to rock, we figured that, you know, every song went, you know, like, you know, when you heard Sink the Pink, we did it, you know, we go, did it go, Sink the Pink, na, 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 and it just kind of <laughs> fell in that way. And I know that, you know, these albums have sold truckloads, but really. What was ACDC and what propelled them to success were those, those years with Bond. Mm. They were incredible years, and musically they were just phenomenal songs. And, I mean, you really get an appreciation when you come along and see the show, and it's like every song is a masterpiece.
1: Mm. Awesome. And I also heard uh, a, a dance version of uh, Run to Paradise the other day. It's going to be released shortly. What's the, what's the background to that?
8: these guys approached me and they're in a like a dance hip hop um group, Australian group, um, and they said, Would you mind if we did this? I said, No, I don't mind if you do it, you know, so they've done it. Um and it sounds pretty good, you know. I, I um, but I'm not. Once again, I'm not a devotee of that kind of music, right? So you know, it's sort of like this. You got the hip hop thing happening. You know, we're going to go to a party, and you know, and then, and then it goes. You don't want anyone. And then it hits with the chorus, with the hook, you know. And so, you know, I. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's. When Nick's gets had a hit with it, you know, like I don't know how many years ago, 10 years ago or something like that. Um, so who knows? It might work.
1: Mm, mm. And um, I was going to ask you one more thing before we go, and that is, is there a choirboy song that you would like to dedicate to Manly's Premiership Triumph? Is there any that have got geographical references? Battle Boulevard, is that set in, in Manly? Or, uh, you know, is there, is there a Manly, manly choirboy song? Well, you know, Run to Paradise was about the
8: northern beaches, but it, you'd have to say, um, "Boys will be boys," <laughs> uh, and, it's, and, it's, like? and it's not so much—it's not so much about manly now because who are they? It's more about manly um, years ago when they really were a bunch of boys. <laughs>
7: with the beard and, you know, and, the, and you can tweak the mo, mate, so I'll let you do the history.